1: We repel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas.
0: Oilers Now
2: with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down?
1: Yeah, Digitex does that.
0: D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 630 KID. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's 1.32 at Edmonton. Just before we bring aboard Jack Michaels, the Oilers play-by-play voice, it is time to come up with our answer to Greta Barr trivia. And the question today was name the number one overall pick that was part of a three-way trade that the Edmonton Oilers were involved with in which they traded a guy who'd scored 30 as an Oiler away and got back a guy who scored 20-plus as an Oiler and also a guy that did something that hadn't been done in six or seven years in Edmonton. So the player the Oilers traded away was Andre Kovalenko. The player the Oilers got back was Alexander Selivanov. Selivanov, uh, this trade happened in January of 1999. Uh, Selivanov in 99-2000 would score 27 goals and have a four-goal game against the Chicago Blackhawks. It was the first time in, I don't know, five or six years that the Oilers had had a player score four in one game. There was a player that was part of that deal. And originally what happened is the Philadelphia uh, uh Flyers traded forward Alexander Digg to Edmonton for Kovalenko. Of course, Digg a number one overall pick in the NHL draft. The Oilers then sent Digg to the Tampa Bay Lightning for Alexander Selivanov. Who knew the uh answer brendan escott
2: well after uh, quite a few uh misinformed guesses we did have tyler hopka take that one down who i believe we've had on the show as a guest before is that right
0: I, I i did we have tyler on once before i we've definitely had darcy mcleod and uh speaking of misinformed there's been the occasional time i'm just kidding tyler uh he's a pretty sharp cookie so yes alexander Digg was the number one pick in the 1993 draft uh the, he rejected the Flyers' first attempt to trade him for Kovalenko during the All-Star break by refusing to sign a $1 million contract extension uh, with the Oilers for the next season. And then the Oilers ended up procuring a deal where they got Salivanov out of uh, Tampa Bay. Deg, uh well, I mean, he he was an interesting cat, and an interesting relative. There was a very famous picture of him when he signed with a, a number one where he was actually in a nurse's outfit. And uh, not that there's anything wrong with that. That's it's your prerogative to wear that. But let's just say that might have been a little bit ahead of its time for the early 1990s. The guy that went number two that year in the uh, day draft, by the way, does anybody? The guy that went number two, I think, was okay, wasn't he? I'm just trying to remember uh, who who went number two. And oh, of course, this was going to happen. Uh, was it was Chris Pronger, the guy who went number two in the Alexander Day draft in 1993? off the i think i'm misspelling dig that's why i can't pull it up there let's just wait and see 1993 draft yes chris pronger went number two pretty good pick let's bring aboard jack michaels he is the play-by-play voice of the edmonton Oilers, and he joins us right now on orders now hi jack how you doing good bob how are you good uh well where shall we you know what that's uh, you'd be had a conversation before the show today so uh full disclosure and there's, uh, there's a couple different topics today. One, we're going to talk a, b- a bit about continuity and the importance of continuity. And then we'll get into sort of a look at the uh, Canadian division if we are indeed able to get it off. So let's, uh, let's start. You know, I watched the Steelers the other day against the uh, Baltimore Ravens and Pittsburgh's had three NFL coaches since 1969. And Jack, they've been fairly competitive most seasons. Is that a fair assessment? absolutely as is the fact that i
2: hope you didn't learn that for the first time watching that telecast because i've said it on your show for
0: the last 10 years no no we've uh, talked we've talked about it nauseum over the years but it does that's re-
2: what i'm saying like i you know the steelers uh, there there should be a lesson there for for all north american sports organizations most notably uh the one that you know, when I'm not working the Oilers broadcast, the one that I most passionately cheer for. I mean, to put it another way, is the Browns have had four head coaches since two thousand eighteen. One more than the Steelers have had in the last fifty one years. So that should give you an idea as to the relative fortunes and it it's, you know, translatable in hockey. I know I've made the point on this program before that. You know, no disrespect to the plethora of Hall of Famers that pass through the city of Edmonton, but you do need some stability and structure uh, to make it work at the top. And uh, one of my favorite, you know, what-if games to play, I mean, sports is so much fun with the what-if game. I mean, Bo Jackson is, is is I probably your favorite. What if Bo Jackson had stayed healthy? Sure. Uh, my favorite hockey one uh, might be what if, what if Glenn Sather at, at some point was traded to Pittsburgh straight up? Uh, that that would have been an interesting uh, scenario. And and conversely, if the if the Oilers had kind of had the instability at the top, the Penguins did for for most of Merrill Lemieux's career. So uh, it's you know it's it's a credit to the Oilers' players, obviously. Uh, and I'm not going to try to sound too much like Jerry Krause, but the bottom line is, is is Glenn Sather was a tremendous head coach. And he was, as you know, more than just the head coach for the Edmonton Oilers during those years. And I, I think that uh, despite having a tremendous amount of talent at his disposal, I, I don't think you can overlook the contributions of Glenn Sather when it comes to talking about the reason the Oilers won five cups in, in seven years
0: well jack it's my belief and you know i cannot stand the let's break them down and build them up approach to coaching you know i i might despise that more than anything else uh and it's my belief that what Glenn Sather did is the approach that he had with, I mean, Wayne Gretzky was special from the, the get-go, but Glenn Sather played a factor in Mark Messi becoming as good as he turned out to be. He played a factor in Paul Coffey, and I know it maybe Coffey didn't get the money he wanted, and that was part of the reason why there was a trade ultimately for Paul Coffey in 87. But Yardy I- Yari Curry too! You know, all those guys, Wayne helped make those guys better, but Glenn Sather's approach, the fact that he allowed those guys to make mistakes and grow, I think helped make them, you know, all of them, even Wayne, better players. And he was ahead of his time in that regard because there are a lot of people involved in hockey in that era that were break them down, build them up guys. And Glenn was not from that school. And well, and
2: he- had he been, I mean, who's to say Yari Curry doesn't shrink into a reclusive shell and not become the player that he turned out to be? Yeah, Wayne made sure to include him in everything and make him feel part of the team, feel part of the North American culture. But Glenn there played a huge role in that. I, you you know, I don't know how many we don't know to this day, Bob, how many uh, great European players came over to North America, did, was, were not able to thrive under those circumstances and, and ultimately just never felt comfortable in their own skin in North America and didn't become the kind of NHL players that they were over in their country.
0: Well, we're watching, you know, we're still having a debate. What's going to happen with yes to Arby. That's not a mistake. Or, that's not, uh, you know, you take a look at it. Yari Curry was drafted as a 20 year old. Like Arby was playing in the NHL at 18. Yari Curry came to the NHL as a 20 year old. Yes, he had 32 goals and 75 points and 75 games in his rookie season. He didn't play the first half of the year with Wayne. People forget that he was further down the lineup. They gradually worked his way in. So that's a great point by you. So do you, now tell me this: as a, as a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, grown up, do you think the how many more championships do you think the Penguins would have won if, if they'd had slats running their organization for the sake of argument from 1984
2: until 2000? Three more. Uh, I feel almost sure about that. I mean, if you think about. You know, who Merrill Lemieux had behind the bench? You know, Bob Berry, Gino Briaco. You know, Craig Patrick, uh, you know, look, a great executive, but he twice was forced to take over as head coach in, in a couple of, you know, what turned out to be, you know, really disappointing years for the Penguins. One was the 89-90 season where they blew a 3-2 lead to Philly in the 89 playoffs, and the other was 96-97 where they were coming off a tremendous year that, of course, was followed by a shocking loss to Florida. And 96 They barely made the playoffs and and were out in the first round. I mean, Kevin Constantine, these are guys that did not have success in the NHL as head coaches. Ivan Hlinka, Rick Kehoe, I mean, come on. Like, you compare that to a Glenn Sather. And again, I'm not suggesting that Pittsburgh was ever – quite as deep as edmonton was i don't think the penguins were quite there they were pretty deep i mean you got to remember the penguins had mark Recchi, you know as a as a secondary scorer. uh you know people want to say oh kevin Stevens kevin stevens had 169 points in one year i mean he was a great player uh so i mean the penguins w- were close in terms of talent maybe not quite there but where they were never close in is is management leadership and stability at the top they weren't even close and i you know what bob last the last part of our segment i do want to talk a a little bit more about pool you raised an interesting point and and there's another guy out there that's still edmonton oilers property that i'm not sure he
0: doesn't deserve another crack either all right i know where you're going to go with that just i want to circle back to a specific here because i think glenn Sather. Played a significant fact in growing the orders in the early 1980s, not overreacting, not blowing things up after they lost to LA when they had a 40 point, 48 points more than them in the first round of the 82 playoffs. But I also think, let's say, the trade he made in 1989 where he got rid of Jimmy Carson. Jack and, uh, got back Joe Murphy and Adam Graves and Peter Klima. Those guys were all significant contributors in the 1990 Stanley Cup final. But I'll, I'll take it one step further. So I, Glenn, Glenn to me played a major factor in that 90 Cup because, of course, he had to sell Wayne Gretzky in 1988. I actually think an argument can be made. And I know you love the, the Penguins of 91 and Mario missed a large portion of that season. But if Mark Messier doesn't suffer three separate injuries, and the Oilers don't get the snot kicked out of them by Calgary, even though they prevailed ultimately, I think Edmonton might have been able to win another cup if they were a little bit healthier in 91. What do you think?
2: Well, that is the only thing that I, I, I actually think 92 might – I don't know. The The one thing about 91 is you then have to also subtract the first-round series against Calgary. That was such a tremendous series, such a physical series – uh, kind of the once and for all, uh, yeah, you know, not that not that Calgary could have caught Edmonton, but it 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 kind of hammered the nail into the Flames ever being in the same conversation as the Oilers. You know, if the, if the Flames went on to win the ninety one Cup, then they've got two and you know two and three years they've got a little bit more of a leg to stand on. I mean, it's closer. That was kind of the knockout blow for that rivalry. But I also think, in in many respects, I I don't think the Oilers were ever as good again as they were and had to be in that 1991 series. I, I'm just, I, so you can play that what up game. L- l- let me ask the question another way. Did the 89-90 Oilers have any more talent than Meryl Lemieux, Paul Coffey, Rob Brown, John Cullen, Kevin Stevens, Mark Recky, Phil Bork and Bob Airy in the bottom six? I mean, that 89-90 Penguins team, you can make an argument, was close to as talented as the 90 Oilers. But, again, the disarray at the top, one team wins the Stanley Cup, one team doesn't even make the playoffs. I know you're thinking that sounds like a stretch, but I'm not so sure it was.
0: Well, what the Oilers had was know-how, and Boston yeah. led the league. Boston was the number one team that season during the uh, – I'm The
2: well, Oilers were fifth. Yeah, like and, but,
0: but the final, after game one, after Clema scores and triple over, that final was not close. The Oilers shredded Boston in the rest of that series. I mean, I know they lost a game at Edmonton. They still smoked them. I mean, they, they put up seven in one game. They got, uh, what, four or five in a, a couple of the other ones. I mean, they really took I uh, haven't
2: seen the scores, Bob, but right off the top of my head, I would have said... Uh, If you were asking me what was the more competitive Stanley Cup final, I would have said 88, even though it was a four-game sweep. I, I don't know whether that's true or not, but right off the top of my head, I remember the 88 series being a little closer than '90.
0: I will tell you this. As a guy living in Edmonton in 1991, and I was not in the city, but I was out working because uh, I was in school during the year, I, I was in shock that Minnesota beat the Oilers in the 91. It's, it's, you know, who – I mean, Well, come they on. won – I think they won 27 games. I think yeah. we were all shocked. That it, was
2: it, where John Casey played out of his mind, and then we didn't see him again until he was beaten by Steve Iserman in, in game seven right. of the – I think it was 96, the famous Red Wings goal that beat the Blues.
0: Jack, we got about four minutes. Uh, and again, Messier was not at a hundred percent, but you make a great point. If if Glenn Sayers running the Penguins, we're having a different conversation. Uh Canadian division, there's been lots of talk about this. I know that the uh athletic did a story on it. Nobody picked the Oilers, uh, of the fifteen executives they talked to from uh american teams edmonton did have the highest winning percentage uh you picked toronto first and edmonton second i picked edmonton first and toronto second uh let's revisit that a bit what are your thoughts uh, now that you're getting you know potentially closer to a return to play well i'm
2: surprised that eight of the 15 in that panel picked the oilers to finish fourth or worse in the all canadian division i mean to me that is putting a little bit too much emphasis on the four-game loss to Chicago in instead of looking at the 71-game sample. And, again, a four-game playoff loss that was coming off of, you know, obviously a, a five-and-a-half-month hiatus. Now, of course, every team was coming off that hiatus. I'm not making excuses for the Oilers, but I'm just saying – that's a pretty like you know that's a pretty significant step where you've got more than half of of non-canadian division gms thinking the oilers are going to you know finish at the midway point of the bottom half of that division because it's not just winning percentage i mean the oilers had more points any which way you slice it they were the best team in canada over 71 games now As you know, I picked them second. Inside Canada, the Oilers have have had a sub-500 record. They've won 22 of their last 51 games against Canadian teams, and head-to-head against the Leafs in particular has been problematic except for the McDavid-Undressing-Riley game uh, that was 6-4 the last time they played. So that is really why I dropped them to second simply because I look at, uh, you know, you have to look at that as part of, all right, what's going to change with the All-Canadian Division. However, having said that, you know, I th- I think Edmonton had the chance to be a very good hockey club inside the All-Canadian Division. Second among seven teams. I wouldn't mind that placement. I think the Oilers have gotten better. I don't think they've lost ground to the other Canadian teams with the possible exception of Montreal, but they were significantly better than the Canadians. So the Canadians have a lot of ground to make up on teams like the Oilers and the Maple Leafs. So when I look at Edmonton's off season as grading out at the very least above average, even if some of these, you know, one and two year things don't work out, they haven't gotten worse. And so as a result, you know, I feel like Edmonton is going to is going to finish top 2. The real key is in some of these head-to-head matchups, Bob, I, I think it's very real that you're going to have a two or three-game series, and that's where you've got the goaltending head-to-head. How will Koskinen and Smith stack up against Anderson and Campbell? I, I kind of like—I I still like Freddie Anderson, you know, over a, as the one guy in that matchup. But I think I like the Oilers' number two guy ahead of Jack ahead of jack campbell that's that's just how i handicap edmonton and toronto head to head i think it's going to be very close
0: we got about uh, one minute left jack i'm going to throw this back at you the one thing i will say when the orders go and play those canadian teams during the regular season there's so much focus on mcdavid i think every team gets up to play edmonton okay well guess what now the orders have to be up to because this is their and i think that's going to happen that's going to help the orders and it's even better if the pundits don't think that they're going to be a top-two team, I think that's going to potentially work to Edmonton's advantage. But maybe I'm looking at it purely from an order centric position. You said you wanted to circle back to Paul Yarby. Are we going off to the KHL? Is that where we're going?
2: Well, I just feel like,
0: you know, the the one guy that's been forgotten a little
2: bit and who's quietly put together two-and-a-half really good seasons of hockey is Anton Slepichov. I mean he's actually if you, if you take a look at what Paul Yarbies done well Slepashev has has exceeded it slightly and done it for longer and he was a guy and again I, I'm going to I'm going to betray a little bit of uh personal bias here. I've always felt Anton Slepashev was a player I, and by player I mean an NHL player. I I really believe that. Uh I think he's exceptionally mature. I think had he been uh, afforded the right to, you know, to stick around and, and maybe been made to feel like he could have been part of the future, I think he was going to be a contributor for the Edmonton Oilers, and I still feel that way. He's he's a right-winger who can play a little bit up and down the lineup, but he certainly can play with skilled players, and he shoots the puck, and he's not afraid to score. Uh, I I like Anton Slepashev as a player. He's also got an NHL body, too. I mean, he doesn't have quite the body that pooley does, but it's not like, you know, hes he doesn't need to gain strength. He has man strength, and he's been here before. I still think there's a player there, Bob. I don't know whether he wants to come over or not, but well, if I were the Oilers, yeah. I would certainly extend the
0: invite. Jack, they talked to him last summer, as you know. This is the last year that the Oilers own his rights. Right. Uh, that's your Cleveland Browns, Jack. They got what do they got? Are they eight and three, and they've only beaten uh, one team with an above five hundred record right now in the NFL? They got
2: Tennessee, and yes, they have. They have some proving to do. But Bob, you're the first guy to always say you can only play who's in front of you.
0: Hundred percent there you go 100 percent, jack have a wonderful weekend all right uh what do you got alabama over uh lsu on saturday night fight? i put the line at
2: alabama minus 41 and a half. cleveland not only covers but wins outright in tennessee this weekend that's my lock of the week
0: oh i'll take a little bit of that action jack thanks for your time See you, pal. Have a great weekend. You bet. it is It uh, is 153 in Edmonton. We're going to take a quick one-minute timeout. You're listening to Oilers Now. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. All right, we're- here, 154 in Edmonton. Royal Pizza Pizza Pass and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. Royal Pizza offers curbside pickup and takeout options for a menu and a list of 13 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza f- app from the App Store. Stauffer recommendation, Mediterranean Chicken 2. This day in Oilers history, back at the 630 Chad Studios. Here's Brendan Escott. On this day in 1988, Jimmy Carson scores his sixth career
2: hat trick as first as an oiler and adds an assist while craig simpson chips in a goal and three helpers edmonton beats the visiting new york rangers 10 to 6 gila
0: fleur bob tallying four assists for new york if fans were chanting gee 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 gee, gee. all right uh, coming up 6 30 afternoons jaylen and i a team from the university of alberta are leading the public consultation process of deciding who in canada will receive the COVID-19 Vaccines First Project lead and assistant professor at the U, Dr. Shannon McDonald joins Jalen and I after the 2 o'clock news weather sports update with the one and only Eileen Bell. We'll be back on Monday where we will have John Shannon for our friends at Legacy Heating and Cooling. Well, we open with Tragically Hip and we'll close it with one of my faves. This is the new maybe. Have a wonderful weekend everybody. Oilers now with
2: Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio 630 Chad.